it almost felt like I was tied to the railroad tracks. It's like, I know where this is going. You know what it reminded me of in some ways was um, the stages of grief. Um, like, oh, well, maybe if we just try to do this, everything's going to be okay. And I was thinking, probably not. In early March, people across the United States watched COVID-19 start to transform daily life. But how does a group of communities that depends on in-person interaction respond to a global pandemic? This is Distanced, Science Line's special project about how different communities are responding to the coronavirus pandemic. This episode explores how members of folk dancing and music communities have responded to the virus. As a folk dancer and fiddler myself, I wondered, what do you do when the folk is taken out of folk culture? I just remember looking out the window and I, I thought, you know, here we are, we're in this international city with a two or three major airports in the immediate vicinity. There's no way it's not already circulating. That's Gabe Holmes, a folk dancer from Brooklyn, who you heard from at the beginning of the story. Early on, he recognized this widespread circulation was a huge problem for social dancing communities, particularly the style of dancing he does, contra-dancing. It is square dancing in lines. It is dancing uh, with a structure where you don't need to uh, make up moves if you don't want to. It is a very, very social sort of dancing. That's Shoshana Silverman, the president of Country Dance New York, or CDNY, an organization that usually runs weekly folk dances in New York City. It uh, has you interacting with everyone. Uh, You're not just interacting with one other partner as you do in most other uh, social dance forms. Uh, You wind up interacting with everyone in the room. Obviously, this kind of social dancing creates huge problems during a disease outbreak, and by the first week of March, CDNY had a plan to try to cope with the virus. Our safety precaution plan involved uh, having everyone wash their hands as they came in the door, um, having uh, gloves that were used in certain circumstances, things of that sort. But it wasn't enough. A couple weeks later, CDNY and dances across the country were all canceled indefinitely. What's a dancer to do? It was a sleepless night. I was fretting. I was probably, you know, spending too much time on my phone. And this corny pun just kind of came to me. This pun was the name of a Facebook group called Social Distance, which Holmes created after that sleepless night in March. A virtual hub for anything related to contra dancing. People post everything from dance videos to music recommendations and event pages for virtual concerts. The group gained hundreds of members in its first few weeks of existence. Now, it's a buzzing virtual community of over 3,000. One of the things that's nice about dancing is this ability to interact with people in kind of a, a very nonverbal, ephemeral, inconsequential way which is, I think, what's missing from all our lives. I don't know the extent to which that can be reproduced in a medium that's inherently verbal, but we try. But as much of a bummer as the pandemic has been for dancers, for many musicians, no dancers or concerts means no income. Shoshana Silverman says that CDNY has developed a fund to help some musicians who play at dances, and organizations across the country have stepped in to try to lessen the load for struggling musicians. But dance musicians, especially those who play with a band, 
are also experiencing a loss of community. It, it's not a two-way street. They're not responding to what I'm doing. I'm just responding to what they're doing. A pianist and accordionist who usually plays with English country dance band Alchemy, among others, Karen Axelrod realized in March how much she already missed playing with her bandmates. She tried playing a live stream concert, but found playing alone unfulfilling. So I thought of this idea for a show where people send me tunes and I wouldn't listen to what they did beforehand, but I would know what tune it is and then I would play along. So there would be some element of surprise and improvisation and I wouldn't know when I was going to take the round and they were going to harmonize or when they're going to take the round or if they're going to get softer. Um, so it was all about listening and responding, which is what I love about playing with my bandmates. That was Jumpers Chase with Darren Douglas on fiddle. Axelrod calls her show In the Moment and broadcasts it on Facebook Live every week. It has become quite popular. Her videos usually get over a thousand views and hundreds of comments, although she says around 180 people watch the streams live. She even leaves her PayPal in the description so that viewers can tip her. But although she says it's far more fun than playing alone, it can't replace playing with a band in person. I see playing music as very much like a dance. There's give and take and listening and responding. Axelrod says she's still missing half of that dance. This solution can only solve so much of her problem, just as Holmes' Facebook group is missing the nonverbal communication of dancing. As the community struggles to stay connected during the pandemic, dancers and musicians await a time when they can gather together again. But for dancers, it might be a while. I'm struggling to figure out how close proximity dancing is not going to be a risk factor. That's Jeff Holm, a virologist at Colgate University. He points out that almost every aspect of social dancing makes virus transmission more likely. Especially um, as this is respiratory, being short of breath and, and you know trying to gain a lot of oxygen, that, that's not something that... Um, that is, is conducive to uh, not transmitting the virus. You're still going to be in close proximity unless you can figure out how to not be in close proximity, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of social dancing. As an occasional contra dancer himself, Holm doesn't see how a socially distanced dance could be particularly fulfilling. Shoshana Silverman agrees. Personally, I want to be dancing when I can actually, like, hold hands with the people I'm dancing with as I would typically in a dance. Uh, and if I, if I have a dance where I'm not actually touching anyone, I, that, that's not going to fill the need for me. Luckily, Holm is more optimistic about the potential for musicians to gather. While he doesn't think anyone should be crowding into cramped performance spaces anytime soon, he does think there are ways for musicians to safely play together, particularly outdoors. In fact, Karen Axelrod recently reunited with one of her bandmates, who sat on Axelrod's porch while she accompanied her from outside. It was the most wonderful experience to play with a bandmate who I love to play with and to play in person after not being together for over two and a half months. So it was a huge high. 
to have that again. Of course, Axelrod still can't play with her band most days, and it will be a long time before there are in-person dances for her to play at again. Colgate's Jeff Holm says that it's likely events like social dances can't resume until there is a reliable, widely used vaccine for COVID-19, something that will take months, maybe even years. This long timeline is something that dancers like Gabe Holmes have had to come to terms with. He's even considered the possibility that for him and others, dancing might not be safe for them ever again. The people who are doing these activities that we want to resume won't necessarily be us. And we need to learn to take kind of vicarious joy in that. You know, I might not dance for a while or ever. And I'm okay with that. You know, that's that's something that helps get me through the day. The idea that, that somebody is going to dance again, that's enough for me. Holmes even thinks that as the world recovers from the COVID-19 pandemic, the folk dancing community might have a unique perspective to offer. One of the things that I think dancing can be a metaphor for is how people move through the world in a way that's spatially generous. Because a lot of dancing is about creating space for people. Where, people, where other people can move and sort of sharing that. And, you know, in many ways, that's what we're being asked to do with social distancing as well. And I feel like that's something that the dance community can potentially offer to the rest of the world. For Science Line, I'm Rebecca Sohn.